the volume. The Sessions is presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. There's no better place to make every moment more than with FanDuel. They're America's number one sportsbook for a reason, y'all. It's so easy to use. It's safe and secure. That's one of the main things for me. I don't want any BS. I love that there's no BS with FanDuel. Plus, you get your winnings fast. Now winnings are delivered in as quick as two hours. Plus, it's super fun to combine multiple bets from the same game into a same game parlay. It's awesome. So if you are new, just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app to get started now. Sign up with the promo code Renee, that's R-E-N-E-E, so that they know that I sent you. Disclaimer, 21 plus and present in Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Iowa, Illinois, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, Wyoming, or West Virginia. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org/chat for Connecticut 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com/rg for Colorado, Iowa, Indiana, Illinois, New Jersey, Pennsylvania and Virginia 1-877-770-STOP for Louisiana 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY for New York Tennessee Redline 1-800-889-9789 and 1-800-522-4700 for Wyoming. Visit www.1800gambler.net for West Virginia. We're rolling, 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 rolling. Keep rolling, rolling, rolling. Guys, welcome to the sessions. This is a very special edition because it is starring eh, myself. Obviously, I'm always here. That's an old hat. But Emilio's here. Hey, buddy. I thought we really were going to break into a rendition of Rolling and just continue to sing it, honestly. I went longer than I thought I was going to. I was commentating for a brief time at GCW, and they did their emo night show, and AJ Gray walked out to Rolling, and me and Kevin Gill broke out to a rendition of Rolling. We sang it on, on commentary, and apparently the kids all home watched. They loved it. I don't think that Roland qualifies as emo. You know what? I thought the same thing. I was more into like Thursday and further seems forever and taking back Sunday. Give me a little like my chemical romance. Like that's some emo to me. To me, the pinnacle was anything that like dashboard confessionals that Chris Caraba would be singing. Like that was like pinnacle emo. What are some emo bands that you were like super into at the time? Oh, Jimmy Eat World. I remember that. Yeah, Jimmy Eat World, definitely. Bleed America stayed in my car for about two years. That's like That was their debut album. And like my cousin was the quintessential emo guy. Like he was the emo whisperer. He had the studded belts, <laughs> you know. The- Those fucking studded belts. Oh, my God. Those were a thing for a really long time. I never had one. Oh, I did. Well, you look more emo than I do. Uh, I I was the guy that was wearing wallabies and a Wu-Tang hoodie. You know what I mean? And like the pants sagging way down past my butthole. I was leaning into like a full Avril Lavigne aesthetic. So, of course, I had one of those belts. Did you have the hair that came down like over your eye? Not necessarily, but like probably not far off. Black nail polish? Oh, God, yeah. Black nail polish. Just like I'm still I'm wearing it right right now. Just like a little like we don't call them wife beaters anymore. Just like a just like a plain old like the white tank tops. I'm wearing a black one right now. But these are always a staple for me. I will never not have fresh versions of these in my wardrobe, which I guess everybody kind of does. You need them. Um, 
my go-to is just like a little, probably like a boot cut jean or no, you know what I loved was like, I liked a loose camo pant, like a cargo camo pant that was like oversized that I got at like this vintage shop in Toronto. I thought it was so fucking cool. Hey, listen, I'm right there with you. I was the, the, the main thing that I would wear in high school and all of that would be Carhartt hoodies and, you know, some sort of Ralph Lauren or whatever. And like the pants would be obnoxiously large. It was before I knew what fitted clothes actually looked like. Fashion was not a thing for a really long time. When I even look back to like when I started doing television, I had no sense of fashion, but I don't really feel like anybody did per se. You just wore like a blouse and some fucking pants. But I was always like, I'm like cool. And I'd wear like a, you know, like a band t-shirt and jeans. But like, honestly, my fashion hasn't changed that much. But it's funny, though, because according to the internets, like you're you're a real fashionable broad, though. You know what I mean? Like the jackets, the pantsuits, the bob, you know, not too heavy on the makeup. It was more like my just natural cheekbones just shine through without the contour. I love putting together a great outfit. I live and I die for that. That's one thing during COVID that I really, really miss. Cause like anyone's like, I'm, I'm always in sweats. Also having had a baby within the like last year, I'm extra just in sweats. Cause I'm like, okay, like what's really happening with this body right now? And to add in the fact that we go from like just wearing sweats to now it's just like a non stretch, 100% cotton denim jean is the look that's in right now. Like what the fuck? I'm not sitting on my couch in a cotton jean. Get out of here. Or I was in Toronto and I bought a pair. I, I succumbed to the pressure. And I, so I always just order all my clothes online. I never want to try anything on. I'll just order something and let's see what happens. So I did that and I got some jeans that I hated. Um, they don't, and then that's the risk that you run with the 100% cotton is that they, you have to go up usually like at least a size because there's no give. So anyways, I went in, I bought some 100% cotton denim jeans. I don't hate them, but I've not I've not worn them out yet. Well, you got to break them out. And when you break them out, please let us know, because this is this is the thing. I, I am right now battling the, the nerves because I ordered for the first time ever. I ordered trousers, <gasps> your slacks, my slacks, my, yes. my my pleated trousers. I love a good pleat. Love a good pleat. I do, too. I do, too. I like a pleat and a crease. Oh, good. Very crease. A little starch, very little starch. And you know, I wanted these pants called Gurkha pants. What's that? It's like a high-waisted pant, but it like kind of looks like imagine like a cummerbund, but like the the way you put them on and attach them without a belt is they're on the sides, like the the latches are on the side, right? There's like like a like a loop, like you loop and you like you put it in, right? I like them. They they were they were like roaring in like from like the 20s to the 40s. Like you, I predominantly just wear sweats now i have an overabundance of adidas and nike sweatpants that have taken over my closet i know it's stupid like my sweatpant drawer is i need to be arrested for this it's crazy how many sweatpants are in there same and i only wear to be honest with you the same four because i'm constantly washing them so it's like i just rotate them out and i'm like okay i kind of just want to diversify let me let me do something here you know i went to a store in the mall and i bought a nice pair of tweed pants those were very very Love. lovely yes good pleat on those as well but then i wanted these gurkhas and there's you cannot find them anywhere yeah where did you get them i was reading an article in gq 
What is, is this what inspired the Gurkhas? Yeah, I was reading an article about this clothing company in GQ called Craftsman Co. And then I read another one on a flight to Charlotte in Esquire magazine about them as well. I was like, okay, these are dope. This is like Cary Grant, Jimmy Stewart, kind of just Lies. like good fly look. Cool. I don't want anything skinny. All my suits are skinny type. Cool. Let me switch it up. So I'm like, okay, let me look on this website. And I go in there based in in Hong Kong. And I'm like, okay, great. Wonderful reviews for GQ and the Esquire to put them over. I know they got to be legit. These are very nice. Oh, I'm going to kill them when they come in. Yes. Hopefully they actually fit me because sometimes the tailoring is... According to Fansori, because he's in, he's in, uh, where is he? Where he's is, in Singapore. He's in Singapore right now. And he goes, the clothes do not fit me, Poppy. So <laughs> um, he goes, good luck. So uh, I'm nervous, but I go to my tailor. But you're very slender. You're like slender and narrow. So like you should be fine. So I go and I, and I get my measurements and they do the rise and they do like the hip to the ankle and the whole nine. I want some Gurkhas. I think you should get a pair of Gurkhas. I like them. I just I was just like scrolling and scrolling as you were talking because I also love a trouser, a trouser, a slack, however you want to put it. I've got rows full of great trousers. That was like my go to. It's a very sexual look. I want to be a sexual man. So it's like, oh, let me rock these, rock these pants and then just, just look at them because I'll actually tuck in shit. I want you to see the presentation of the pant. What shoe are you going to wear? Oh, God. I actually bought a penny loafer. Oh, my God. You nasty little bitch. Thank you very much. I feel okay. nasty. Okay. And I, <laughs> I just want to rock them. I, I just like them like that. You know what I mean? But I can also do them because I was also thinking of pulling the John Stamos because he would wear high-waisted trousers as Uncle Jesse on Full House with a sneaker. So I'm like, you know what? I can pull off a high-waisted trouser with a pair of Air Force Ones. A sneaker and a sweater would look beautiful. However, sweater weather, I believe, is behind us at this point. Well, in New York, we still probably have another uh, month of just winter. Well, by the time these Gurkhas make it to you, you're going to be into the summer months. Well, what I was thinking of doing is looking like a cartel drug lord and just doing a tank top tucked in nice. With the gold chain just hanging out. Oh, my God. Looking like, you know, Razor Ramon, R.I.P. Scott Hall from the oh 90s. Oh, my God. R.I.P. Scott Hall. That's, that's yes. what I want. But my neuroticism was so bad that I emailed this company 18 times about these pants. Oh, my God. 18 What'd times. What'd you say? What do you possibly have to say in 18 exchanges? No, not even exchanges. I was just nervous. Hey, do they fit true to size? Do I have wow. to go to my tailor? Like, these were all questions I was asking one after the other instead of just one cohesive email. Because also, you know, I don't sleep practically, so my thoughts are all scatterbrained. Oh, that's the worst. If this was food, they're going to, like, spit in your pants. So Blossom assured me that they, if they, they run true to fit, I go, I get my measurements. If they don't, and she assured me, you can return them, and we'll go two sizes up just in case. So I will go to probably a 34. Okay, well, listen, we're going to be on Gurkha Watch. I can't wait to see what happens with these. But so that's one thing that I do really miss, though, is like I miss putting on a great outfit. I really miss it. I was saying to John, like I've said this, I feel like a million times to the point that John's like, okay, shut up. Um, We've not been out to dinner since we've had Nora, which is fine. She's nine months old. There, you know, there's not really been any reason to go. But now I'm like, okay, I think it's time that we call in grandma or grandpa 
have them babysit and you and I can go out, go to dinner. We can put on a nice outfit. Like, let me remind you real quick that like I can be a bad bitch. Let me put a fucking outfit together and remind you this poor man just wakes up to me in like giant sweats. My hair is a mess. The kids pulling my hair out. It's all a disaster. This is my new. I mean, I know we're just on podcast right now, but if this goes on YouTube, this is my new number. This little like plaid jacket. Do you know of a jacket? <laughs> Big jacket guy. Love. So this one's actually um like a faux Sherpa lined. It's a thing of beauty. Oh my goodness! Yeah, I'm a I'm a big big fan. Well, anyways, that's where I'm at. I like it. It's nice. It goes with the whole emo Renee from high school. So, have you been dropping hints? Is there a restaurant that you want to go to? I know you you love food. You're a you're a culinary master. Like, where are you in the grand scheme of? I need to go out on a date because it's been too much. We are bears playing on the on the television. <laughs> Yeah, uh, it does need to happen. There's there's a place in town called Pep and Dolores that I want to go to. That's a pasta bar, um, which listen, don't. Yeah, I want to go there. There's another place called Soto, another Italian spot. I also found this article that's like 30 of the oldest restaurants in Cincinnati, and I would like to rifle through them all. I would like to start checking some of these off because there's a lot of like really great old school establishments here that I want to know more about. Uh, there's so much exploring to be had. We've been here, we've lived here for a couple months now, and we've not really got to explore all that much. So that's that's on the to-do. Well, you know who puts over Cincinnati hard because he lived there for almost two decades? Chad. Machine Gun Carl Anderson. He says there is a lot to explore there to enjoy just to have a good time. He goes, the food's great, the culture's great. He goes, and the architecture's amazing. Oh my God, the architecture's beautiful beautiful yeah it's really really great um yeah i'm a big cincinnati fan i really really do love it here fuck there was something else i was just gonna say to you oh i know what i was gonna say Uh, we're gonna get into um some body talk here because we're talking about food and how delicious food is i'm trying uh, this is what my biggest struggle has been since having a baby and just and like moving and working like crazy my schedule has been so off that like I need to get my shit together. I need to like eat better. I need to be working out more. So this is what my new kind of like, I've always worked out a lot, but I've not been lately because I just simply don't have time. Uh, And then when I do have time, I'm exhausted. So it's not really happened. I know that sounds like excuse fucking central, um, but the excuses are stopping Cause I, I'm like a little fat right now. Oh, stop it. No, it's true. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm telling you. So I'm going to go on what we will call a journey. And I don't know, part of me wants to like, I feel like I should take a picture now and then in like three months do a revisit, but I'm about to like hit it hard and I'm not going to be a little bitch about it. I think you should, you know, that's the, the best type of motivation, honestly, like my thing is I, I've always I guess I have had a very weird relationship with food, if we can get honest here. Yeah, you do have a weird relationship with food. My dad, when I was in my twenties, had a heart attack. And obviously, listen, he was a almost like three pack a day smoker, construction worker, had terrible eating habits, didn't didn't work out or whatever. He's not the biggest guy in the world. And he ballooned to like this massive weight after his heart attack. 
And that freaked me out. So I was just like, yo, I can't because I don't have the best family genetics already. Diabetes, cancer, glaucoma, it all runs in the family. So it's like, you know what? I got to avoid all this shit because I kind of want to live till I'm like 706. So what can I do? And that's the major reason why outside of like animal rights that I chose a plant-based diet. But as you know, I got so run down and so sick that I'm on like a myriad of just different supplements that, you know, once in a while now, like I, I ate an egg for the first time in six years because my- Did it rock your world? Did it constipate you? No, what happened? I did not have constipation, which was crazy. Regular because I, I take my athletic greens. But um, fucking athletic greens. <laughs> I mean, it just it just flows, uh, just flows. Um, you know, but I went. I've been going to this holistic nutritionist, and like you know, she put me on uh, a vast array of supplements. And she was like, "Listen, I know you're plant based, and I know like this, but just try an egg. Let's see how it goes." So like, I've had some eggs, a little bit of chicken. I haven't really dived into the meat or or, or pork. I won't do that. There's no pork on my fork, ock. I won't be rocking none of that. But I'm bringing it back into my system a little bit. And I have to tell you, and, and you'll know it because you've called me out on it. I'm not as starving as I am anymore. The protein keeps you full. Yes. Like I feel there's a sustenance to it. And I understand all this stuff. Like I knew going into it when I was, when I, when I started having like a plant-based journey that I was going to do it for, for more like reasons of that, because I don't want to have a heart attack. I don't want to have, um, stints, you know, and I, I, I didn't want none of that. So it was like, so I've always been on this like weird journey with food and working out because I seen that at such a young age that now it's like, no, I can't, I can't have that. You know what I mean? So I'm real particular about what I eat, how I eat, when I eat. And that's that. Now, I could, if I could just regulate my sleep, oh, I'd be perfect. I'd be perfect. But I get it because, you know, like, and maybe it's different for a woman. And I and and because like there's a lot more pressure to have this idea of what a perfect body is. You know, Instagram is flooded with just women with bikini pictures and, you know, booty exercise shots and and all of this stuff. Trust me, on my Discover page, it's sneakers, pro wrestling and booties. You know what I mean? Like, so I get it. I like like what the the definition of beauty is has changed in a mainstream pop culture way and specifically somebody on TV like you it has to be ner- and I don't I don't look at it because I don't see you as oh my god like you know you're you're out of shape you're frumpy or whatever I look at it as yo she had a child she's working out like in my mind you still look like how I met you when we were when we were doing loops in WWE Thank you You're a petite broad let's be real Sure but you know, when I look back, I mean, ever, you know, people put on weight over the years, but when I, and I know it's like that comparison game, but it is real. When I see other women that have also just recently had babies and I'm like, oh my God, they look like they're shredded. They're in such great shape. And I don't feel that, but I also just feel like, yeah, it, it is sort of like that catch up game, but it's like, I've also had the last like year and a half where I've not actually been on TV. Like we're here doing this, but like I am not in a studio. I'm not going through wardrobe. I'm not putting on like that great outfit. I'm in my sweats. Um, so it, I feel like it kind of like, not that it spirals, but I think I, you know, I had Nora. I lost the weight really quickly and then I just kind of plateaued. 
So I'm in plateau mode and I need to kick it up a notch. But for me, it's even more than the working out. It's my diet. I'm just not eating enough, which you think would be like, oh, wouldn't that make you thinner? No, I don't want to fuck up my metabolism. That's what I'm afraid of because I was like really like on a good kick of like eat every three hours, get that protein in, blah, 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 that now I'm like, oh my God, I will go hours and hours. I'm like, holy shit, I've not eaten. And then I just like eat a scoop of peanut butter. That's like, it's so bad. That was me. That messed up my metabolism so bad. I would be like, like you call me a survivalist. I won't eat for, let's say I'll, I'll fast for a day. My nutritionist is like, why the fuck you fasting for a day? Like there's a window to fast. But you don't need to. Your body hits the ketosis when it's like anything after 10 hours. And most of the time, if you're going to not eat from 10 o'clock till, let's say, noon, your body hits its number and you hit you you, you hit your your ketosis. So why would you want to fast for 24 hours? You're just suffering to suffer. Exactly. But also at the same time, too, like, yo, you get it. Sometimes you're on the road in towns that are not plant based friendly. Sure. Our last TV at MLW, we were there for almost 15 hours. I have pages and pages of segments that I got to help produce and then I'm on. When do I have time to order something for it to come or hopefully it comes? It's not like you have catering where you could sit and do it. Well, that's the thing. We would always have catering. So it really was not a big deal. Like I could always grab something whenever. Um, But yeah, I know it can be rough. I actually I can't really talk much about it, but I was shooting something when I was in Toronto. Something very, very cool that I cannot wait to talk about. But that was my first time being on set in a long time. And it was like great to be back on set. The project so fucking cool working with really great people. But yeah, by the end of it, I was like, oh, I'm done. I'm done. Get me out of here. Done. (laughs) I was so tired. So not used to a day like that. It's funny. Like sometimes like even if I'm like, you know, catching up or like, you know, scrolling through Twitter, seeing what's going on with like raw or something. I'm like, man, I go to bed like in like an hour and a half into raw now. I can't imagine staying up for the whole thing anymore. Jesus. No, no. Let me ask you. Let me ask you this because I, I, I've noticed this about myself um, and I'm starting to call myself the most introverted extrovert ever. After a certain, I don't know, time period when you're around a certain amount of people, right? Does your body just tap out and say enough? Yes. I don't want to speak. Yes. I don't want to interact with nobody. I just want to go back to my hotel room and just sit in silence. Especially like when you're on the road like that, there's nothing better than like being done, going to your room. And like I travel with comfort. I always have my sweatpants. I've got fuzzy socks. I have those creature comforts in the room because you need to. You put me onto the fuzzy socks. Well, I remember when I first started traveling with WWE, you were like, get yourself a pair of fuzzy socks. And I was like, I'm going to do it. And I did. They're great because I'm a huge slipper person at home, but I'm not traveling with slippers. You got, you know, precious um, luggage space. So fuzzy socks do the job and they're great. But yeah, getting to the room, ordering up some room service, having a glass of wine and like most hotels have Netflix now. So um, yeah, you can just like have a great zone out. I love that. Oh my God. That sounds, that sounds fucking real erotic right about now. The whole mania season's happening now, and you know I got I got all this stuff that I have to do in Dallas. Wale Mania, 
Thursday night, March 31st, House of Blues, Dallas. Get your tickets now. Ooh, that's a good location. Oh, we got some craziness. Trust me on that. Wait till you hear what we got, guys. I can't announce what we have right now, but get your tickets. You're not going to want to miss this. It is the social event. It is the party. To the granddaddy of them all. It's a great weekend. Yes, while I don't mess around. After that, I'm thinking, and you tell me I'm crazy. I want to go into and do a 10-day silent meditation retreat. Grow up. For what? 10 days? <laughs> I don't want to speak That's for 10 days. crazy. I just want, I want to meditate and journal and sleep for 10 days in silence with the monks. Let them go, oh. I'm damn. already annoyed. I'm already fucking annoyed by that. <laughs> Like, absolutely not. Take a, you know, have an evening, you know, put on a movie, you like kick back a little bit. But 10 days, I wouldn't go on like a luxurious vacation for 10 days, first of all. But to go and not speak and just drink some fucking green juice and have someone play some singing bowls for me. Absolutely not. I'm thinking about I mean, listen, that's where where are you going to go? Sedona? I was thinking about it, yeah. Go sit in the mountains for a little while, do a ice plunge, maybe like an infrared sauna, hit the hit the fucking vortex up there and, and I just appreciate do my it, work. but that sounds like know. some real fucking Jared Leto shit to me. Well, that's where I got the inspiration from because at once wow. the pandemic hit, he found out that COVID happened the moment he turned his phone on after a 14 day <laughs> silent meditation. <laughs> I retreat. remember reading. So I'm like, this is what I want to do. <laughs> That's too much for me. That to me is like quintessential trip of privilege. I'm just going to go zone out for 10 days and no one can talk to me and I'm realigning my chakras. No one has time to fucking align their chakras. We're all tired and exhausted of everyone's shit. But we trudge on. Right. And then I remember that I do have certain duties and responsibilities that this show is three episodes a week. Gallows and Anderson, they're just a whirlwind of just content in regards to what they do. So I got to produce that all the time. They're just, they're 24 seven. They are those guys, those guys pack a punch. They really are a lot. I, I like, I miss those guys. I miss them. Yeah. But no, I feel like, you know, I think that's a trip that like Leonardo DiCaprio is going to go do or like Brad Pitt where like you just have so much money to spend on dumb things to just like go away for a little bit. That's like nice. It's a nice idea. But um, that's just my brain. I just I could never unplug to that level because I would drive myself crazy. I think I'm missing something. I couldn't. I couldn't. I could. I can unplug from that. And because I'm not into the keeping up with the Joneses. So it's like for me, it's like, what am I going to miss on Twitter? Somebody saying something stupid. I, I can't deal with the social media aspect of certain things. So it's like, you know what? Shut down. Shut the phone off and just and and just go. Like, you know, so it's like there's certain things like that that it's really just and I don't know if it's the climate. I don't know if it's the if it's just like everybody's now like it's getting nice out again. So now everybody's becoming rambunctious and like, you know, like their precocious attitudes are coming out now. I I don't know. But for, for me, I just know like, OK, I know after this whole week of shenanigans that I'm I'm going to have to unplug to it to some degree. Like, you know what I mean? So it's it's a matter of just when. To some degree, for sure, for sure. Listen, I would, you know, after Mania, there's always usually like that week off when uh, when I work for the company that, you know, John and I, it was after Mania that we we actually, oh no, we weren't in Sedona. We did um, 
shit. Oh, Zion. We went to Zion and it was great. We had a great time, but then we ended up having to leave early because they were doing the draft right after that. Um, and John was being drafted to Raw, I guess, if that makes sense. But that's when we got married. Um, we were like, we cut our trip short and blah, blah, blah. Anyways, but yeah, it's always like that that moment like after mania that it feels like the dust settles for like a quick second and then you're back on that train again hey guys if you're here listening to the sessions thank you hello hi and you love some combat sports well be sure to check out boxing with chris mannix it's every friday as he talks with the biggest names in boxing ufc and yes, even the occasional wrestling superstar. Chris is one of the most passionate and influential voices in the sport, and he's here every week to help you get smarter on all things boxing. He'll also help you win some money on FanDuel with his weekly betting segment where he breaks down the best bets for all the big fights. Download Boxing with Chris Mannix only here on the Volume Podcast Network. Let's talk about wrestling for a little bit. Um, because it has been quite the week. Um, what was your reaction, I guess, to um, to the passing of Scott Hall and um, just kind of building up, I guess, I guess build up is maybe not that right word, but like knowing that he was on life support and kind of, you know, kind of keeping your finger on the pulse as to what was going on with, with him. When you hear like the life support thing, you think, okay, you always want to be positive, right? Like, oh, this this person can maybe... Maybe they pull out of this, but, you know, also too, you know, all this stuff with, with COVID and, you know, they put them under an induced coma. You think, okay, maybe this is, this is what they're doing, you know, just in case. And then Kevin Nash writes the most saddest like thing on his Instagram page and my heart sank and I'm like, oh wow, this icon from the nineties, which hits a little bit more close to home than the wrestlers from the eighties is because now you're a little more hip to the game. And you're like eight, nine, ten, maybe even twelve when these cats are, are working. So you're more cognizant of of who they are and you really you really watch them. You truly grew up on those guys, yeah. Yeah, like I loved Savage and Warrior as a kid, but I remember them through like rose colored glasses as a child. You know, seeing Scott Hall come out on Monday Night Nitro and say, You know who I am, but you don't know why I'm here was mind-blowing to a freshman in high school because now it was like, yo, that was Razor Ramon, and now he's Scott Hall. Whoa, what's going on? And he came out in the Canadian tuxedo, and several weeks later, Kevin Nash comes, and then they really start what changes the game in professional wrestling. And I think of him as he has had all these athletic accomplishments, and they're amazing. Yes, Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels did the ladder matches before, but those were in house shows. But what Scott Hall and Shawn Michaels did at WrestleMania and at SummerSlam, to me, those are quintessential pivotal ladder matches that have withstood the test of time and they've aged extremely well. Now, I understand Hardy's ladder matches and then all these other ladder matches we see now in this current landscape. They're great. The bumps become crazier. But I think the simplicity of what Shawn Michaels and Razor Ramon did tells a better story where the bumps weren't crazy. They used the ladder as a weapon, not something to jump off. Right. And again, it's just apples and oranges to what, you know, what your favorite nuance is with wrestling. Sure. And as times change, of course, everyone's looking for like, what can the spot be to be different, to stand out? So it's like things always escalate and are going to get crazier and crazier. 
I remember the most jaw-dropping thing that I I remember what Scott Hall did was he walked underneath the ladder. Yes, yeah. And I was like, oh, that's taboo. Oh, that's bad luck. Where's the black cat? Exactly. Like, that's some spooky shit. And then, you know, he he wound up being victorious. And, you know, at the end, he holds up the two belts like the god that he was. Because, you know, if you think about intercontinental champions, he is a four-time intercontinental champion. So that's the the belt that I, I put with him. And, you know, that was the, at a time when that belt meant that you were going to get catapulted to the next level. So to see him do all that is great. But I think his most important accomplishment and I think it sets up for wrestlers now, is the idea of talking about and not making it taboo to talk about how much money you make with your friends and contemporaries in that industry, where it's like, okay, well, they offered me this, so now I think you can get this. And if it's not comparable, WCW offered me this. That was such a game changer for professional wrestling, what he did with that. I think it's just a game changer in regards to just talking to your friends about money. Because I do it with my contemporaries in my industry. Even I've had conversations with you about certain things and you're like, go after this because this is what they're offering. So go out and get it. I do think it's important to have those conversations because, yeah, if you don't know and you're just like shooting in the dark, like you have no idea what other people are making or what those conversations are that people are having. And yeah, it, it especially now as we're talking, you know, about like equality, especially, you know, when you're looking at what, what men are making and what women are making and trying to like raise the bar there. I think, you know, being able to have those conversations is super important. I don't know that it needs to be like public information, but yeah, I think amongst peers, amongst your contemporaries to have those conversations is really important. You know, it's funny because all he really wanted was an opportunity to work in Japan. He wanted to go to All Japan Pro Wrestling. He wanted to do some stuff there and he wanted a 5% merch boost up because at the time they weren't given 5% and Vince couldn't agree to that. So he, that's why he really dipped. It wasn't because, like, he said he would have stayed if he just played ball a little bit. Then you're able to get all this cool stuff with, with what Bischoff offers, and it's like, great, let's do it. So without, like, he's part of that fabric that changed the entire landscape, the whole thing. And it, and it's interesting. Like, like, Gallows and Anderson have talked about that on their podcast in depth about when they were renegotiating their contract. I won't say who, who. No, but I know at that time, a lot of people were starting to have conversations to keep everyone in the loop as to like what was going on. And I think that not that that was unprecedented, but it was really cool that everyone was really kind of on the same page in terms of like, this is what everyone's worth. Right. They said that um, this person came in and said, hey, this is what they offered me. Go ask for what you're worth. And everybody in the locker room, from what they said, they just looked at each other, shook their head and was like, wow, let's have this conversation. And to me, I think that's the most important thing in professional wrestling is to have that conversation and not be so secretive about that. Because you know what? You're all doing the same thing. You all have something unique and insulary to offer each other. You put in your bodies on the line. And to be honest with you, like at 50 years old, you want to look back and you want to say, yo, I got a couple of M's in the bank because I, I took a bump on some barbed wire or I went through a table or I jumped off something or I was on the road for 300 days. That alone, time-wise, of there's no season, obviously what your body's going through, um, it, it it just takes such a toll on you mentally, physically, 
from all aspects, I mean, you look at any other professional sport, you look at any other entertainment entity and what you know or have an idea of that certain actors and athletes are making, it can pale in comparison to what professional wrestlers make. And it's a smaller number in terms of like which wrestlers are able to walk away and be able to sit back and enjoy their lives on the other side of things. It's just unfair. And I think that you and I are a bit more privy to certain informations and and certain quarterly reports that come in because, you know, we're hip to the game and, you know, whatever you you have had this amazing career and you're married to who you're married. So like there, there's these conversations. The professional wrestler as a performer, while they do get paid handsomely, also gets robbed. I know it is sort of that weird thing that's like, I, you know, I know for, you know, for a lot of people listening to this are like, whatever, they get paid a lot of money. But it's like in terms of like, you know, what if you're able to walk away or hobble away or what damage has been done to your body, have, you know, the time away from your family. Yes, this is the career that you sign up for and you're chasing your dreams and these aspirations that you have. But there is another side of it that comes along with that. And it can be real rough out there in those streets. Uh, but that being said, there's never been a better time than right now for people to be out there and getting paid and knowing their worth and starting to see that bottom line rise. Thank God. And again, because of guys like Kevin Nash and Scott Hall having those conversations, to quote Fat Joe, yesterday's price is not today's price. <laughs> yeah. And they sold yes. a lot of outsider teas. <laughs> they sure did. Yeah, you know, my my sort of biggest takeaway um, from the passing of Scott Hall, I mean, he is not someone that I got to spend a lot of time with uh, during my career. Uh, you know, I've been able to spend time with him at Hall of Fames and, you know, just meet him and say hello. It's, you know, I never had that opportunity to have great in-depth conversations with him, so to speak. But seeing seeing what other people were able to say, and that seemed to be a big thing. A lot of people were saying, man, I will cherish those conversations that I had with him. Um, just his wisdom as a professional wrestler, the things that he were, was able to bring to the table to the way that the game has changed now. Uh, I know so many people that were able to really have um, meaningful, important conversations with Scott Hall, whether it was about their career, family, whatever. Um, I think that he was very generous with people with his time in terms of that. Um, and that 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 was really sort of my big takeaway. And obviously, the people that were very close with him, seeing Hunter post about him, Sean Waltman. Yeah, it's, it's very sad, heartbreaking to see that happen at such a young age. Um, and the video package WWE put together was amazing. I know they put together a thing on YouTube as well of like some really great Scott Hall moments. Um, but yeah, just sad day in wrestling. That's for sure. Go back. Watch a ton of stuff. He's on Peacock with everything. There's a rich history of WWE career with him and there's a rich history of WCW. And then if you want to go back and go on YouTube, he was Starship Coyote when he was wrestling on like, I think it was AWA or whatever. Starship Coyote. Like he was just a bad motherfucker, period. It's hard for someone to just be like fucking cool, you know? He did it effortlessly. And one of the fun things that I didn't know about like Scarface and all of that when I was about 12, I learned about Scarface. Like this is this movie at like 15, you know what I mean? But like, so I'm watching this, and I remember this, and I, and we're watching this in film class in high school, and we're breaking down the film, and I get up and I go, 
Yeah, this is Razor Ramon, bro. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So this is where he got it from. Holy shit. Okay. So funny when things like that do that, when you like learn about something from another program, like whether, you know, learning about Scarface from Razor Ramon, there's so many things that like watching like the Simpsons and I'm like, oh, that's what the telltale heart is. That's, you know, all those moments that like get, you know, the the light shone on them from like other programs. Very funny when like those worlds collide and your brain's like, oh shit, that's what that means. One of the greatest tweets that I ever seen in regards to Scott Hall, just I was I was looking on, uh, I, f- I forget the person and I'm sorry, but like um, they said the fact that Scott Hall pulled up into Opalaka, wore 15 pounds of gold jewelry and fuchsia pants and walked out untouched. <laughs> that is a G. <laughs> and you think about it, like there's an iconic photo of Scott in Opalaka wearing fuchsia pants. And what seems to be like 25 pounds of jewelry on his neck. And he's sitting there and it's the coldest picture in the world. <laughs> and I thought also another cool thing that's been popping back up was when he went on Jerry Springer and surprised the two kids that were living with HIV. And and he came on and was just like hugging them and kissing them and giving them like support and just like talking about how cool they are. And, and and he did this in full gimmick. So cool. I always thought, wow, man, that is. And this was way before their like charitable hand that they held the WWE. Yeah, so, yeah, of course. And to do that at the time too, when, when, when nobody was really understanding what AIDS and HIV was. Yeah. You know, yeah. like people wouldn't even want to, they wouldn't even want to go near somebody if they had those things, let alone hug right, and kiss a kid. Right, when we didn't have the education. Yeah. yeah. So to yeah. me, like, yo, like that's incredibly cool and selfless. That just goes to show how good of a heart that that guy had. So RIP, man. Yeah, absolutely. Fight fans, take your best shot with a $150 bonus insight credit guaranteed from FanDuel Sportsbook. It doesn't matter if your fighter gets knocked out or tapped out. New customers get an instant $150 bonus in site credit on your first bet of $5 or more from March 13th to April 4th. Just sign up with the promo code Renee to bet on all the biggest boxing matches and UFC fights. Get in on this. You don't want to miss it. You can choose from the money line to the method of victory and so much more. And with cash out, the ball's in your court so you can close out your bet whenever you want before the fight is over. So get your $150 bonus in site credit guaranteed. Just sign up with the promo code Renee, R-E-N-E-E, on the FanDuel Sportsbook app. Disclaimer, 21 plus and present in Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Iowa, Illinois, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, Wyoming, or West Virginia. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable set credit that expires 14 days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See full terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXT STEP to 53342 in Arizona. 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat for Connecticut. 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com slash RG for Colorado, Iowa, Indiana, Illinois, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and Virginia. 1-877-770-STOP for Louisiana. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY for New York. 
Tennessee Redline, 1-800-889-9789 in Tennessee. 1-800-522-4700 for Wyoming. Visit www.1800gambler.net for West Virginia. Another big thing that happened this past week, um, I, I don't know how much you want to get into this um, with what happened to Big E. Of course, you stayed in touch with him a lot. You were sort of my pipeline to make sure that everything was cool with E, even though like the dude broke his neck and still like I'm sure he's being flooded with a million different text messages and for him to still like get back to everybody and let them know, yeah, I'm good. You know, whatever the response was via text message to whomever. But it was scary. That's for sure. Um, You know, I wasn't watching because I was in the middle of something else, but well, my text messages blew up. Did you see? Oh my God, how is he? And I'm like, what are you, what are you talking about? And then I, I, I saw the gif. And then immediately my heart sank because I got really nervous because of the way it looked and the way his body, the way it shook after the impact and he landed and he was on his back and the way it like convulsed real quick. That's what made me nervous even more. I immediately started to reach out to a couple of people and they got back to me real quick. Thank God for that. And I, and I appreciate that. And I thank them immensely for that. And I got the, the 411. There's some mobility in his hands. Okay. That's a good sign. I immediately jump on the line. I go, yo, you don't have to hit me back. If you can, whenever, just let me know that, that you're okay or, or whatever. Cause I was ready to get on a plane and go to Alabama. That's that. That's my guy. You know what I mean? Like, and I think one day we have to really have that conversation because without him, there would be no us. Yeah. I love him like like my brother Vincent. Like, there's no like my mother calls him her son, and like you know, he's been to my house for dinner. Calls my mom, mom, my dad, pop. Like, I I, I love him. Yeah, he's a magical human being. Uh, yeah, outside of just being magical, like I know him 13 years, and we talk every day, all day. So when he texted me back, he was like, no surgery, great mobility, no nerve damage. And I'm like, all right, great. What a miracle. What an absolute miracle. And I feel like that's the thing with this dude that's like, I mean, when you say that Big E is this like magical human being, like truly, if uh, if there is some other being looking out for people, that was that moment. Uh, because if there's ever been somebody that like deserves to like get a free pass and be like, you're good. We got you. Crazy. Yeah, because the way you land that way with that much force. Directly on top of his head. And Biggie is a big man, as we know. Large fellow. So to me, I see that and my jaw drops. And then there's like, you know, and then all these other cats hit you up. Like, and most of them were like journalists. And I'm like, I'm not, an- I'm Ew, not answering get you. The fuck or like here. these, um, yeah. these what I like to call hanger honors and the bootlickers. Like, the genuine people reached out to me and like, is he okay? And I'm like, I don't know. You know, you don't know what to think. And you try to be a positive person because you want to throw out the good juju out there because you want, you want this person that you love to be okay. And you don't want to think the bad stuff. But ultimately, like you think, oh, my God, what's going to happen? Oh, it's, it makes your stomach turn immediately. I mean, to, I was in the same boat as you were like I was not watching live, but, you know, checking stuff on my phone. It's like, wait, I saw your tweet saying I feel sick to my stomach. And then I saw Amanda Huber 
say the same thing. And I was like, what happened? And that's when I messaged you. I was like, I haven't seen anything. I don't know what happened. I had zero context of what had happened. I I just knew that it was something involving Biggie. I had not seen the gif. I had to like search it. And I was like, do I even want to see this? I don't know. Um, but it, John and I, like obviously, I was, you know, I, John and I were talking about it and uh, I was keeping him updated through you as well of just like what was going on with the situation. But I mean, you look at somebody like E, for him to be so gigantic and go through something like that. But if he was not as strong and as thick as he is, who knows what could have happened otherwise, right? Yeah, that's the scary part. And, you know, for him to go on Twitter immediately and then do a video, um, you know, it's like that 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 says a lot because it's more like, you know, he could easily be like, I don't want to, I'm not talking about any to anything or anybody right now. And I need to relax and worry about me. He legitimately was like, let me just put this out there so everything, like everybody can just pump the brakes a little bit. Yeah, I mean, same as you. Like I reached out to him. I was like, obviously not expecting him to get back. I'm like, you're going through some shit. And then to like even have a, a response from him to like take the time to like get back to the millions of people uh, that were reaching out to make sure that he was okay. But I mean, it, it's, you know, it's, it is really just like another example of like how dangerous wrestling can be i mean for it to be a belly-to-belly suplex i mean he's done a million times it it's this it's you know it, it is really scary it's like i told you i don't know how you do it with your husband i've seen him go through play class with nick gage i've seen him take a a pizza cutter to the mouth i, I i've seen him bloody and bruised and I'm like, oh, he's just going to be fine, you know, because you think like, okay, this is what they do. They're trained for this. They mentally prepare that they know they're going to do this. But, you know, you see some questionable shit when it's the person that you care for the most. Your heart is in your stomach every time they go out there. Can I tell you this, though? The most difficult match I've ever had watching John do was him and Brian. Why was that? On the, at the pay-per-view. Because they beat the shit out of each other. Holy shit. I'm watching it from home and I'm like, oh my God. And like, again, past my bedtime. And I'm like, I got, and it was Sunday night and I was doing this shoot that I can't tell you about yet. Uh, I had to work the next day. So I'm like, just shoot me a text. Call me when you're done. I just want to know that you're okay. And like, I do that after like most of his matches, just be like, we always talk like afterwards, but it was like an hour had gone by and I'm like, are you okay? Because, like, yeah, they they beat the ever-loving shit out of each other, plus slaps to the face from Regal on top of that, where I'm just like, oh, my God. Uh, that truly affected me more. Because you could hear those hits landing, those kicks, that strong style. And you just know that, I mean, Bree and I, you know, I was just like, oh, oh, my gosh, like, are we seeing this? Is this, what the fuck? Right, and then, like, <laughs> that's my thing. At what point is enough enough? And I asked your husband that question after I seen what he did with Nick Gage in Atlantic City. You know, we're hanging out afterwards. And I'm like, John, I got to be honest, bro. When's enough enough? Did he give you an answer? Did he tell you? He he just looked at me and he like, and this is like the most emotion I, I, I ever got. He just gave me one of these, when I figure it out, bro, I'll figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, oh and my then, god! You know, yeah, and then we just we just went on to to something else. But you know, I'm I, and I asked E that too. Like, bro, when's enough enough? And he was like, I wish I could tell you. He goes, I wish I could tell you. 
this is the way I look at it too. It's like, as much as there are times that I'm like, you know, watching a match through my hands and being like, oh my God, like whether it's John or somebody else, these guys love what they do. This is their entire livelihood. And for that to not be a thing for them anymore or to like walk away and be like, okay, I've made enough money or I've checked off these bucket listings that I wanted to do. It's like, it doesn't really work like that. You know, it's you have these other goals and your goals change throughout the duration of your career. And now there's these new things that you want to do or there's this new guy you want to work with. There's so many different things that change and that's like the thing that keeps them going. And, you know, as much as I don't wrestle, I still have like other goals and I'm constantly like my stuff is always changing all the time. Like I can relate in terms of that, of like you love what you do so much. You live and breathe it. Even when you're taking a break, when you're taking a break and having downtime, it's you, uh, you know, whether it's him listening to a wrestling podcast or he's watching like old WCW or watching old New Japan or whatever it is that he happens to be watching. It's like it, it doesn't go away. I respect guys like that. I, and I respect women like that that say this is what I can't walk away from. But my question is, at what point do you feel like you age? Because we all age out of everything. Like there's a like there's a time and a place. And my question would be. Specifically, we'll just use John as an example. Like you're in your thirties. Don't you wanna like just hang out with the kid, the wife, and not like not make it hurt when you gotta get up out of bed? Like my dad was a uni construction worker, like herniated discs, neck, back, the whole nine, needs double knee replacements. He's he's shot. And I used to hear him get out of it used to be a process to get out of bed because he was so stiff and sore and beat up, but he knew like he had to go out and go to work and do a really grueling job. And it's like, now he's like retired. And he, I asked him, would you do it again? And he goes to provide for my family in a heartbeat. I always re- will remember like very early on to John and I dating and me sort of understanding more of like what his body has been through. Cause it's like one thing to watch and be a spectator and also just like enjoy professional wrestling and blah, blah, blah. But I always remember it was like early in the morning and he was getting out of bed, just like walking to the washroom or whatever. And the limp that he had, I was like, are your legs uneven? What is going on right now? Why are you walking like this? And I was like, oh, shit, you're beat up. You're, I don't know what match it was yet before. If it was a pay-per-view the night before or what. But I mean, he is not a mail it in kind of guy. We know that. I mean, no matter what the situation is, he's never just going to mail it in. Um, he's got that that integrity to stand by. What a hunk. I want to see him in a pair of Gurkhas. Oh my gosh. Could you imagine? Especially with this like trim waist that he's working with right now. Like a Gurkha could work for him because it's good for the thigh. You want to give him a pair of Gurkhas? Should we order him some? Do we know his waist size? Do you imagine John coming out to wrestle in some Gurkhas? Wild thing comes out and then you see him in Gurkhas (laughs) and I'm just like. With a penny loafer. (laughs) I'm going to be like, me and Renee hold influence. Suck it, TV oh world. Oh, my God. That's amazing. Yeah, I mean, listen, if we want to do a little investment and see what we can come up with. I'll PayPal you right now for Gurkha Watch with, <laughs> with, with Moxley. Hey, speaking of uh, not Gurkha Watch, but Cody Rhodes Watch, what's his deal? I'm so into this. It is disgusting. I am, too. I know. I don't want to be, but I am. I'm, I'm in. Every week, you're thinking, is this the moment he comes and attacks Seth Rollins. But the telling thing last night, uh, Corey Graves, a master of words, 
makes a slight little Easter egg and says something about – he references the word nightmare. I forget exactly what he said, but my ears peaked. And I was like, ooh, Graves, you devil tongue bastard, you. And it was so good. So so if we could play speculation, right? But people are saying the talks have have been cooled down. He left AEW too early, whatever. I think it would be incredibly cool and incredibly different if he doesn't show up on Monday Night Raw. And he shows up either the first night or the second night of WrestleMania. I think it's a bigger moment and it's a bigger pop. And he's earned that right to have that incredible WrestleMania moment where it's like it's not the conventional he's going to do the TV beforehand to lead into the pay-per-view. He shows up, he's there, and then him and Rollins do whatever they do. Well, it's also interesting because I saw someone posting about this yesterday, but they're like, man, like it's actually pretty smart of like dragging it out because everyone is waiting, wanting to see what's going to happen. It's like you're, you know, WWE fans are excited because there's something to look forward to. But now it's also making AEW fans head spin the other way. It's like everyone's watching and waiting to see what's going to happen. It's pretty cool. Cody's a cool dude, man. What he was able to do in the last three years, you have to give that brother his flowers. Oh, my God. Yeah. Like, and I don't think the Internet really gives this dude the credit, man, because like he. That's fucked up. It, it is. It is fucked up. And. He's he's an extremely intelligent guy and he knows the business and listen he's he's the brother of one of the greats and he's the the son of probably one of the best of the best to ever do it. Oh yeah. And and he un- Who doesn't put Dusty on their Mount Rushmore, has you know? to be. Come on, babies. Come on, baby. What he was able to do and to to create the star that he is now is really telling because if you look at how he ended, he was in a gold lame jumpsuit hissing on camera. I would just like to say that I've always been a huge Stardust fan, so I will not tolerate <laughs> any Stardust shit talking on this no, show. No, I won't. I won't shit talk it because I loved it. I I have some beauty. I'm a huge I Stardust loved it. fan. I, you give me like the the face paint and the the pageantry, the, the cartwheels, the the even the weird promos about the. The cosmos, yeah, like you yeah. give me all that shit, I'm in. I thought it was great. I'm also a massive Gold Dust fan, so like, of course, I love Stardust. But also, like, you look at Cody Rhodes and the wrestler that he was, the wrestler that he is, and to pl- like to drop him in on that character was like, wait, what the fuck? But he like really made it into something cool. You give that guy something, he's going to turn it into something special. I mean, he used to do the dashing Cody Rhodes thing. Oh my too. god. Like he- the mustache, the face mask, the, the the paper bags over fans' faces. Oh my god, I loved it. But what was real telling to me was he was like, "Yo, I'm out," and then he reinvented himself, so to speak. Went on to this incredible run in New Japan Pro Wrestling, IWGP United States Heavyweight Champion, and he was also Ring of Honor World Heavyweight Champion, NWA World Champion. So it's like, wow, he really carved out a legacy. You know, I remember the internet went crazy when he did that list of people he wanted to wrestle on the indies when he left. We see what happens with, you know, before it was AEW, they did that one pay-per-view, you know, uh, all in. That's when he wrestled Nick Aldis, right? Is that right? Yep. And he won the championship. Yeah. And then it becomes what AEW became. I think it's amazing to see. I mean, you know, even when like when Cody left WWE, 
And I, I mean, that alone, I was like, oh my God, look at, like, yes, go and carve your own path and go do the thing you want to do. And the fact that he was able to do that and be so instrumental in so many things and like truly shaking up the scene and walking away from, from that situation um, to, to looking at now, it's like for people like, oh, he's going to go back to WWE, blah, blah, blah. It's like, yeah, he went and did the thing and he he upped his own star value. Um, and now he's going to go back and show them what they had in the, the star that he is. So I, I think it's really cool. And I think for him, I mean, I know he teases retirement at some point and whatnot. So I think if if this was to be the situation that he wants to wrap up his career and put a nice bow in it and then move on to whatever the next thing is going to be, I think it's great for him to really prove to everybody the, the value that he brings. And I think it's also just incredibly cool to hold the, and you know, hopefully he would get the opportunity to hold the one championship that his dad didn't have the opportunity to do. And, you know, he added so much equity to his name where now on paper, yes, you can say Cody Rhodes, WWE, whatever they're going to do, if they're going to merge these two championships come, come WrestleMania, um, you don't know. But I think, you know, it's, it's an incredible pin in a vast and rich career. Cody, we're all watching, dude. Wear a pair of Gurkhas, Cody. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, All right, dude. I feel like we did it. We had a great chat. We got into some wrestling stuff. This was a good sesh. Really? I like like having sessions with you. I just miss talking to you. Me too. I know. I, I... like a little uh, a little Emilio hangout. Here it's we perfect. are. Perfect. It's a good tie. We good should day. do this more often. It's your show, babe. I'm just here. Noted. It's it's. I'm putting it in my notepad right now. Please do. Do you want me to plug the things, or do you want to plug the things? Why don't you plug the things? I think I'm shit at plugging the things, and I sound very insincere when I'm plugging the things. I don't mean to, but it just comes across that way. I feel okay. So listen, we have some merch. The super talented Lauren Moran. Created a nice uh, hey girl. Bowie homage. So if you want to see the cheekbones on on a t-shirt, you can go to the volume Twitter page, click on the merch, and you can go buy that there. And we're working on some new merch too, by the way. So we're working on some new merch. It's gonna be really, really fun. I think you're gonna like it. So just uh check in on the check-in with us and we'll we'll plug that. We have a YouTube channel, subscribe to that. You see a ton of this on there. So you can see the shacket on there. So Yeah, the shacket with the with the nice fleece lining. You'll get to check that out. You get to see an Elvis. I'm cookie also jar. eating some nuts if you would like to see that. I'm currently eating um roasted deluxe mixed nuts. So subscribe to that. We have a ton of content up there. It's updated daily. Um, also, subscribe to this podcast however you stream. Write us a nice review on Apple. We need that. It keeps the rhythms rhythming and the computer's putin, bro. So just do that. And uh, follow Renee on, on social media. You know how to do that. And Emilio. Follow Emilio. Just What is it? Just add Emilio Sparks? Get him. Add Emilio Sparks. I would love to crack the threshold of 10,000 Instagram subscribers. So why, time. Don't you, why don't you help me? I'm, I'm at like seven something. Give him a click. What harm is there in a click? It costs you nothing. Your timeline will be blessed. And you'll get to see a ton of Gurkha content when the pants come. You guys, get ready. Get ready. All right, guys, thanks for hanging out. You know, do all the things that Amelia just said, and we'll see you down the line. Deuces. Deuces.